And we are excited today to have Dr. Kathy Cook with us to teach us. She is the founder and president of Celebrate Kids. She has impacted parents and teachers and children in 28 different countries. Uh, but selfishly, I live in one of those countries. <laughs> I'm very thankful to say she's impacted me and my wife and my own family as we've raised our own kids. And I, I just told Kathy this, but one of the things that I've always loved after hearing her speak is I often come into it, you know, when I pick up one of her books or listen to a podcast, I'm thinking, I really want to be a good dad and this is going to help me because it's something practical every time. And then I always walk away realizing it actually just helped me too. So I hope as you listen to her today, you enjoy it. You can think about your kids or your grandkids or even yourself. So let's give a warm horizon welcome to Dr. Kathy Cook. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That is so kind. I appreciate when you clap by faith. That's really cool. So high expectations today. Yeah, could I just say that those guitar players, come on. Keyboard, drums, do you know how blessed you are? Like, yeah, you can clap for them. Um, that, was a, that was a profound song, but they're so talented. I used to play a lot of instruments. I actually went to the university I went to to march in the band. Got a couple of degrees on the side. That's a true story. Um, so I'm a huge fan of the right music, and you're blessed here. I just want you to know that... As somebody who's been here before, I was looking forward to being with you. I'm looking forward to tonight. I was looking forward to the unique service and the worship music um, that we have a chance to participate in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk with you about resiliency, this idea that we recover. How many of you would agree with me that the world is a mess? Anybody, that was very quick. Anybody over here? World's a mess? Anybody want to admit people are messy? Is that, is that like too close to home? Could I just say that the, the world is messy and the culture is chaotic partly because people tend to be maybe messy and less, um, I don't know, less sane maybe than in the old days? I don't know. Like how many of you are old enough to remember the old days? Like I don't know what you think of the old days, but like I'm, I'm older. I'm not old. I refuse to be old, but I'm older. And I remember a day and an age when things just weren't as complex as they are today. But I want to say that recovery is possible Ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls, if we stay down in the valley, if we're bullied, if we're knocked down, if we're lied about, if we're grieving, if we're full of fear, if there's something that's going on that is not great and those things happen because the world is chaotic, we can't stay down in those moments because we're worth it. Would you guys agree with that? We're worth it. We can't stay down because if we stay down when we've been knocked down, we lose, the world loses. It's just not a good thing. So we need to discover at this day and age that we're in, how do we get up and how do we choose to walk out of those negative experiences? To be honest with you, and, and uh, Carrie knows this, um, I'm in a, the middle of a, a rather difficult experience myself and it would, be somewhat, it would have been somewhat easy to say, you know, I'm not coming. It would have been one phone call. I, I could have said, you know, I'm just not up for it. But that's so not right. Anybody agree with me there? It's just not right to give in, amen? It's just not right to give in. How many of you know it's easy to give in? It's easy to roll over, it's easy to hit the snooze button, it's easy to say, they're not worth it, I'm not worth it, but that's not right. We've gotta be resilient. Um, Drew said to bounce back. I used to think of resiliency as bouncing back from difficulty, like Tigger and Winnie the Pooh. Anybody like Tigger? Tigger irritates me. <laughs> 
anybody with me here? Tigger's just a little bit too much fun. Um, and, and I don't think it's realistic to think about being knocked down and traumatized and gossiped about and shamed and bullied, even at work. It happens in the corporate sector. I don't think it's realistic to think about bouncing back from trauma. It's not terribly realistic. Now, I'd love to meet you if you think you're a Tigger. I'd love to know your secret. I define my new book, or I have a new book coming out Tuesday, but I can't sell it yet. It's illegal. I still wanted to bring it. But this one, this one came out a year ago, Resilient Kids. This is what I'll be talking about tonight. And in this book, so tonight will be much more practical than this morning, although this morning is practical too. But resiliency in this book, I define it as readily recovering from difficulty. Readily recovering. Readily recovering, not staying down in the valley and having a pity party. How many of you know pity parties don't work? Anybody, anybody been invited to one? It's not a pleasant place to go. Where their trauma is bigger than your trauma. Their sadness is deeper than your sadness. Mm -mm -mm. Pity parties don't work. Surrounding yourself by negative people doesn't lift you up. It just brings you down. So I don't want us to sit down. I, don't, I want us to readily recover. I want us to decide we're worth it. We were created on purpose for such a time as this. Every single one of you, God wanted. God had so much love to share that he had to make people, but he didn't have to make you. And he didn't have to make you, you, but he did. And so for us to realize that we need to stand up and walk out and become, because if we stay down in the valley, and you guys, there was, there's been times in my life when I've sat down and I have counted the pieces of grass per square inch in my valley. I've looked down. I've stayed in that woe is me place. I might have even gotten stuck in the I probably deserved it place. Oh, and I'm, I'm just going to testify. I'm very, very grateful to the God of the Bible and his son Jesus who rescued me from those places of despair. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what disappointments you might be dealing with. Or maybe you're thinking right now of loved ones and neighbors who are really struggling. Re resiliency is readily recovering. Resiliency is choosing to stand up after grief, trauma, defeat, fear, shame, difficulties, embarrassment, hurt, pain. These things are real. People are messy, culture is chaotic, stuff happens. God is good. God allows less than great things to happen, but that doesn't mean he isn't good. In fact, I would testify this morning, and thank you for listening to me, that part of the goodness of God in my life has been the difficulties I've experienced because his holy accurate word teaches us that through the difficulties we grow up. He didn't create us to stay infants. He created us that we would grow and that we would discover more about life. I don't want us to sit down in the valley. I want us to look at Psalm 23, uh, a part of it, at least part of it today. I want us to discover what we ought to be paying attention to so that we can rise up and walk out and stand up. You know, when you learned how to walk, you didn't stay down after you fell down. You do know all of you fell down. All of us fell down. It wasn't a mistake. You didn't know how to walk, so you fell down. One of the things I address in my book about resiliency is we do a terrible job using the word mistake. It's not a mistake if you don't know what you're doing. It's an attempt of growing up. 
And when you fell down, when you tried to walk, it didn't even hurt because you were so low to the ground, you know. And you were probably by an overstuffed chair because mommy made sure you were safe, I hope. And then somebody reached out to you and picked you up and settled your feet and re reached out their hands. You know, come to mama, you can do it. And they took pictures and they bragged about all of your attempts. And they didn't say, bad boy, wait till you're six and you're perfect. If you think back, you know, everything that you can do now, you can do now because of the struggle that you walked through. Raise your hand if you understand what I'm talking about and don't lie, I'm genuinely curious. Do you understand it? Everything you can do now, walking, talking, writing, reading, your career, being a, a better wife than you used to be, a better husband, a, a great mom and dad, everything that we're able to do, we do because we weren't able to do it before. But we stood up and we walked out. You know, verse four of Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley, even though I walk through the valley. Well, Psalm 23 starts, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. We can walk out of the valley when we know that God is our shepherd. He guides us. He leads us. He restores us. He, he's for us. The sheep are so stupid, they need a shepherd. We are the sheep. <laughs> Do you like me? I don't care. Um, how many of you have heard me speak before? I probably say that every time. It's not about me. But I'm telling you that the analogy, and there are so many places in the accurate word of God in the Old and New Testament where that Jesus, God, is a shepherd and we're the sheep. Sheep are so stupid. Have you ever seen one in a circus? They can't even be trained. So we, in order to walk out life experiences, for us to decide, I, I need to achieve this. I, I'm worth working. I, I'm worth it. I got to practice more and try more and apologize more. We need to be guided by the shepherd. And I will say, have any of you seen sheep in a pasture land? I, one, of, one of the countries I've been to many times is Scotland. And there are sheep all over the green hills of Scotland. And I don't know about you, but I think sheep all look the same. Have you noticed that? They're all white, black nose, black hoofs, low to the ground, fluffy. <laughs> they all look the same, but God, Jesus knows his sheep. He's such a good shepherd that he knows which sheep are bound to walk toward the cliff. Mm, he's so good at his job. Well, the this, this psalm, um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and then it says, I shall not want. We don't want for anything when we are in the family of God. I'm so proud of you for being in church. So excited that you're exploring this thing called faith, and I hope you land where I landed after years and years of wondering what it was all about. Oh, I shall not want. We don't need anything when we have Jesus. And, and you might not believe that yet, and I respect that. I used to be where you are, searching and wondering if it's really legit. But those of us who are now committed followers of Christ, we love that Jesus is our shepherd. We know the goodness of God. I don't need anything else. In who Jesus is and in who, what Jesus does, we have everything we need. This is why I pray. Oh, there's been times in my life when I've been thinking I'm so self-sufficient. Like, I'm the founder of my own ministry. I have an earned PhD. I am amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anybody with me? It's so easy to get stuck in that ridiculousness of pride. No, I don't need you. Thank you very much. You know, I'm an author of seven books. Oh, so what? I'm a human being in need of a shepherd because I'm a stupid sheep without him guiding me. But I don't need anything. I can stand up and walk out when I look up 
and rely on the shepherd to call out to him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep are so stupid, they don't rest. And they keep eating and eating and eating and eating until their stomachs explode. I am not making this up. The holy word of God is true. He makes the sheep lie down because if he doesn't make them lie down and take a rest, their stomachs will explode. There's no mechanism in the stomach of a sheep that tells them that they are full. Anybody have that problem ever? <laughs> How many of you have a, have a tendency to go out for brunch after church? I am staying at, they put me up at the Marymount. Do you all know where that is? Uh, Marymount Inn, their restaurant, whoa, good food. Had dinner last night with my, niece, my nephew and his wife. I am here instead of their breakfast brunch. Brunch is one of my favorite meals. When I walked out, there was already a waiting list. And I'm thinking some of those people are going to regret eating as much as they've eaten today. Hmm, we need a shepherd who makes us lie down. When we read in the Holy Word of God that we lie down in green pastures, that is a representation of the Word of God. The Word of God is alive, it is green, it is living, it is fresh, and it is life to us. One of the reasons that we don't need anything except Jesus is because he is the Word. And the longer that you come here and the longer that you try out this thing called Christian faith, and the more that you choose to read a little bit here and a little bit there, the more I pray you discover that this is life. I just spoke to a thousand children in West Palm Beach, Florida last week, and I told them that this is a life letter, love letter from their creator for them. This is the food we need. I leave that, and I would be honored to talk with you if, you if you have questions. I have an earned PhD in reading. I used to teach at a university where I taught people how to teach children how to read. I won library reading awards, reading more books than anybody else when I was a kid. I've written seven. Words matter to me. This is the book that is life-changing. This is the book that changed me. This is the book that has the wisdom that I need so I don't stay down in the valleys that God asks me to walk through. He leads me beside still waters. If you want to rise up and walk out of the trauma that you are currently experiencing, I want to recommend to you that you trust Jesus to be your shepherd and your guide and your leader out. And one of the things that he'll do is he'll quiet you and he'll cause you to rest and he would be delighted if you would choose to eat the food of his word. And then it says in the scripture that he leads us beside still waters. Sheep are so timid and skittish that they won't drink out of a, a water that has any ripple in it at all. They have a tendency to go to the still water that is full of disease and dead, dead fish and dead flies. And then they get sick. He leads them to the refreshment and to the nurture that they need. And by the way... <laughs> Sheep can't swim. Can you picture a sheep swimming? Like, it, it's not happening. They got these little itty bitty legs. And if they fall into the water and their wool gets heavy, they're going to drown to the bottom. They're going to the bottom. They're sinking deep. So the shepherd leads them to the still waters so that they can spend time with him and be restored. I wonder if you have had a time in your life, I have, when he was leading and I was not following. I got a sense that God wanted me here or there and I'm like I know myself better than that I'm not going there yet not ready and then filled with disease he restores my soul it, it says in the holy accurate word of God that he restores my soul that is significant have you heard the phrase cast down if a sheep is cast down a sheep 
with the little itty bitty legs, if they're not watching where they're going and they fall over into a, like a, a hole in the ground, they're going to die. A wolf is going to attack, a lion is going to attack, or the sun is going to beat down, and they're going to have heat stroke. They have to follow the shepherd into the safe spots. The shepherd restores the soul. The shepherd is so attentive to every sheep, even though they look alike, and he finds the one that has fallen over. And its, and its legs are going like this. Bah, bah. Do you want to do it with me? Bah, bah. Do you think I'm nuts? I'm not. I'm cool. Um, but that little sheep is about to die, and the shepherd listens, and the shepherd goes, wait, where's my Kathy? Where's my Fred? Where's my Hank? And he goes over, and with the hook of the staff, he writes that, that sheep. He restores my soul. One of the lessons that I've learned, and, and really one of the impetuses for this book, like I love writing books for parents, and it can help them. And as Drew said, it can help you as well. But you guys, we can't restore our own soul. I used to think if I would just go for more walks, if I would just eat healthier food, if I would just pray a little bit longer without being distracted, if I would just drink more water, if I would just pay more attention to my brother, if I would, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I, the scripture's true, you guys. Thank you for listening to me. He restores us. He restores us. If you're struggling maybe to walk out of a valley experience because you're trying to do it all on your own, I would invite you to stay connected here and reach out to the people here. Even if you haven't gotten to know them yet, they want to know you. And then you read the accurate word of God. It says in the scripture that after he restores our soul, he leads us in paths of righteousness. So he stands us back up and he leads us onto the right path. One of the reasons the world is a mess and one of the reasons our culture is chaotic is that we are not on the right path. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We're just, yeah, not you, you're the cool people in church and so you're probably not relevant here, but all the people who didn't come today, you know, they're on the wrong path. The path of fill in the blank. There's so many things that are so wrong. But Jesus leads us. Like I said, sheep have a tendency to be pretty stupid. They look down as they walk and they can walk right off a cliff. They look down while they're walking. Their head doesn't lift well and they're walking and their head is down. And they don't even have a clue there's a mountain lion right over here ready to pounce. But for him to lead us. How are we restored? How do we, how do we become resilient? How do we stand up? How do we not allow the world to push us down? We're led by Horizon Community Church and the people here. You're so smart to be here. I pray you have others in your world who are honest and those you can respect. And I pray that you keep coming here and you ask God to show you how much of this is real. We do it for his sake. And then we get to verse 4, even though I walk through the valley. Even though I walk through the valley. And what I want to say to you is, in my life experiences, and I was raised in church, I, I, I chose to trust Christ at the age of 19 after a confusing first year of college. And, oh, he changed me, and it's been so good for me. Um, even though I walk through the valley... I've learned that when I find myself in a valley like I am right now, I look back and he has taken me to the green pastures. And I need to remember the word of God that will build me up in the moments. I remember when I'm in a valley experience that he, I have spent time with him at the quiet water. And I'm able to go back in my, in my mind and in my heart and kind of catch that part of God again. 
ladies and gentlemen, one of the reasons that we all may struggle with what I call valley experiences is that because we ignore the word of God and the presence of God. But I'm telling you that when you, when you choose one verse a week, you choose a little bit of prayer, you choose to come and, and invest more here and come back tonight and, and, and learn more. When we invest in ourselves, we, when we're in valleys, we look back. How many of you have been in a valley and you've been able to look back at beauty? Is there anybody in the room? who has been in a valley, you've been able to look back and go, yeah, Kathy, I can rely on that person because I know that he's good for me or whatever. And you know, we walk through the valley. Don't sit down. The scripture says walk through the valley. Now you might want to pray for a helicopter ride to the top of the mountain. You go right ahead. I don't think God gives a lot of helicopter rides because God knows what he does. It's in the growth experience of the valley that we grow up. You can climb the edge of the mountain. Anybody into rock climbing? Anybody go to those fake buildings and climb the rocks? Try it out in the real world. I'm not recommending that you get to the top of the mountain by climbing the side. I think the valley is a really good place to walk through. That's where the green grass grows and the water flows. It's a true design from the God who loves you. And please let me remind you that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not a valley of death. It's a valley of a shadow. If a truck drives over you, you might die. But if the shadow of a truck comes over you, you will live. We have a shadow because Jesus is there. Psalm 23 verse 4 includes the phrase, I will fear no evil for you are with me. This is so beautiful, you guys. When you're in the valley, it says that he is with us. Prior to that, it's, you know, he restores us. Watch. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me. He leads me. He restores my soul. He leads me. He is so active. Jesus is active. He leads. He guides. He restores. And then we get to the valley. You are with me. He's no longer a he over there. He's a you right here. You are with me. One of the life-changing truths for me has to know in the knowing of my knowing that when I'm in a dark place and a hard place and I've been bullied and knocked down and someone's trying to control me and gossip about me, I can look up and I can see Jesus. That's why there's a shadow. There is a light and his name is Jesus. And I'm, I'm testifying to you that before I leaned in on God and before I believed the word of God, it was so much harder to live this thing called life. I challenge you to read the rest of Psalm 23 sometime today. You know, the scripture teaches us that we can rejoice in our sufferings. Romans 5, 3 through 5, a, a book in the New Testament. We can rejoice in our sufferings, not for our sufferings, but we can rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. I'm going to ask you a question and I would love it if you would participate with me. How many of you have experienced more mature character because you've gone through some hard times? Could I see your hand? I would, yeah, look at that. Yeah. Let me ask you another important question because this scripture says that when you endure the suffering and you have a joyful perspective about it, you develop hope and hope does not put us to shame. How many of you have been through tough times, tough relationships, tough experiences, but you've come out on the other side full of hope? Is there anybody that could admit that? I've had, yes, look at that. When we walk through the valley and we, we look for the, the, the green pastures and we spend some time in the quiet presence of the Lord seeking his will for us, then we come out and we have 
more faith in the God of the Bible. I, I think one of the reasons today's younger people are so immature in their faith, not totally, not all of them, but if you look at the dropout rate of church and the dropout rate of faith for our younger people, like 25 and under, a lot of them are giving up on God and I think it's because they wanna stay happy all the time. Technology has taught them, I wrote a book on this, technology has taught them they can be happy all the time. They don't wanna spend any time in the valley, they do a U-turn at the beginning of anything that's too hard. I've asked a lot of 16 to 25 year olds, how many of you dropped a college course or a high school course? Well, they couldn't do that. How many of you dropped a college course after a hard quiz? And they raised their hand. I don't know about you, but I studied more after a hard quiz. Anybody in the room? I didn't quit a course because I didn't get the grade I wanted. I studied more. But we have generations of young people that are giving up and doing a U-turn because they're afraid. You don't have to be afraid, whatever your story is, because we've got scripture that informs us and the presence of God. You know, I'm not going to tell you about the, the current situation, but just real quick, I have a low voice. I, you have all heard my low voice. I'm called Sir a lot. It's not comfortable. Um, I don't know what your story is, but I have a low voice. How many of you have heard it? It's low. I, and it like, she sounds like a guy. Like, I know I do. I don't live in denial. Denial is a really dangerous place to go. Anybody with me here? So I am sometimes called Sir, like at a drive through restaurant. They'll, I'll order my food and they'll say that'll be, you know, four ninety three at the window. Sir, why do I get mad? They don't know I'm a woman. I have a low voice. It's lower amplified and it's pretty funny when I get there and I am a woman. And the kids working there looking at the receipt thinking I thought there was going to be a guy in the next car, but I don't think that's a guy. I'm not real sure, but I don't think that's a guy. You know? And I'm screaming inside. The food is getting cold. Give me my food. I have a low voice. It doesn't make me a man. I'm a woman with a low voice. Can I say that here? <laughs> low voices are easier to hear than high voices. I don't need a microphone. I could be heard in this room without it. I could be across town and have, you know, 600 kids in the gym and have the buzz be so bad that we could turn off the microphone and I would be heard. God knows what he's doing when he chooses to make us us. I've been in movies with Kirk Cameron. I'm very popular on the radio. I've been told by the best of the best. I have a perfect radio voice. God knew what he was doing when he chose in his love to make me me. Psalm 139 verse 14, David wrote that my soul knows it very well that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We're knit together in our mother's womb. That's what Psalm 113, 139 verse 13 says. We're knit together in our mother's womb, our, all of our inward parts. And verse 14 says, my soul knows it very well. The reason that I can be resilient the reason that I can walk, stand up and walk out of negative stuff that happens is because my soul knows very well who I am and who my creator is. The song that they sang had the word soul in it. This concept that the inner man matters so much. I don't know what your story is, but I know that we need truth in order to combat the lie and the liar. He is loud today. And the liar would like you to stay down, defenseless, wounded, to stay in that hate space. But your creator, Father God, who loves you so to make you so, would love you to rely on him to walk up and stand out. So how do I deal with it when I get hate mail? Uh, my, my favorite piece of hate mail, it's three pages long, all red, all caps. First sentence, clearly you're a man, why don't you just admit it? Um, that paragraph was pornographic. 
And the, the three-page letter ended with 17 verses I clearly do not know. I can't tell you how you could or should deal with your valley experiences. I'll tell you how I deal with them for me. I don't call them valley experiences. I call them growth experiences. I believe the holy, accurate, transforming word of God. And the word of God says that when you have trials and tribulations, your character develops. And the scripture teaches that when you have hard times and you lean into the God of the Bible, your faith grows. I didn't know how good God was for me until I attempted to lean on him. And he hasn't let me down. So I don't call them valley experiences. I call them growth experiences. The situation that I'm in now with the ministry is an opportunity for us to grow up, to mature, which is what I want for me and for my ministry. And it changes perspective. How do I deal with my valley experiences? I pray. Prayer in our church is defined as an ongoing conversation with our best friend while we're on a long journey. In my church, we define prayer as an ongoing conversation with our best friend while we're on a long journey. At the end of the first prayer of the day, we don't say amen because the scripture teaches that we're supposed to pray continuously. I don't treat God like Amazon Prime. I don't expect what I want when I want it now. I trust God to know me better than I know myself. And I'm not saying that that's easy to develop that perspective. I'm simply delighted to share my story with you and I pray that it's a blessing. How do I deal with my growth experiences? I read the scripture, Psalm 139 and others. I pray, I go to church, be honest here. The, the fellowship is so valuable, I'm so proud of you. Uh, I'm obviously missing my church today, I'll listen to it online later. My fellowship, my church matters so much to me. I tell somebody, I never stay alone. I am not, my board of directors will not allow me to receive anything that's hated, um, hate mail and not tell them. I must tell my board when something has arrived in an inbox or, or the post office box that is damaging to my soul. I'm not allowed to keep it to myself. I used to rip them and burn them and then somebody from the police office suggested I keep them instead. So now we put them in a Ziploc bag and I give them to somebody else because I do not want to reread them. Some of you have stayed down in a valley because you're rereading, rethinking, rehearsing the stuff. I get it. I pray for the haters. Oh, it's hard. I pray for the people who write me letters like that. I pray for myself that God would protect me from believing that any of that is true. I focus on Jesus, the one who creates the shadow, the one who asks us to walk through the valleys. Why? Because we mature, grow up, and become. It matters so. Oh, I hope I've said something today that's been encouraging and uplifting and true and applicable, and I pray that you honor God. Let me pray right now. Father God, it's been good to be in your house today. I love this place. Oh, you're doing good work here. It's so obvious to me. Father God, thank you for prompting these special ones to be here today. And I pray, Father God, as I always do, that something will stick that is true. If I've said anything that's false or misleading that they don't need to know now, of course, don't let them remember that. But Father God, would you remind them of something that's true for them as they go through their week? As they think about a valley experience, would you help them twist it to a growth experience? When they have thoughts about the valley, they've been knocked down, they've been 
disheartened by what's going on in our culture, would you, Father God, lift them up, lead them and guide them, restore them, and love them so well that they're amazed at the end of the day of the beauty that they had, even in the hard spot. We look forward to what you're going to do for us, Father God, as you grow us in resiliency, as we trust you. I pray for them, Father God, that you will be good to them. I know you will. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.